Hello again, everybody. You're listening to the Total Basis Podcast. I am your host, Felipe Melicio. And the reason for my less than uh, enthusiastic introduction here, Sean, my partner, Sean, over there, is because the baby's still sleeping. Oh, This has got to be the latest that she slept. She usually wakes up on a weekend, like around eight at the latest. So... I chose the wrong day to do a podcast with you, Sean. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm I'm good. I'm good. I, now I feel like I need to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, got the, you got the kittens over there today? Well, well, yeah, we have one, and uh, he's wearing a cone now because he got scratched in the eye, and he's just now, he's starting to feel better, and he just face-planted into the door a couple of times. So if I don't wake Alyssa up, I'm sure he will. <laughs> he's a cone head yeah he, he is and it's he's so tiny and the cone is the smallest one they got and it still like makes his head fall over so oh poor kid <laughs> oh well happy uh, good luck with that man yeah. the cone life <laughs> well you know who needs some luck some of these hitters that we're going to talk about and maybe some of these pitchers too as uh, we try to gauge oh I, you know what shame on me how did you enjoy the all-star festivities how was your uh your break, I guess. I, I, I thought the all-star game and the, the home run derby were okay. Home run just, derby was cool. Um, as it always is. I don't know. I could kind of, cause they've had the new rules this way for what? Five years now. Feels like it. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I, I feel like I, it might need like another change up, like something to do. And like, I, I, and then the all-star game just, yeah, I've never been huge about any of the all-star games really. So. Yeah, it's been not not that I have anything against it. I just, you know, I'm an adult now. I don't have that kind of time to be wasting four or five hours on an exhibition game like that. But yeah. the home run derby, yeah, home run derby. I think at this point, my wife knows that that's one I don't want to miss. I like, uh, I like the time. Uh, yeah, it's it's much better than the ten pitch thing. But at the oh, same time, sure. I, I feel like it just needs something like added to it. To I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, and it's like they're doing that whole thing with the Home Run Derby X where they're traveling around the world doing it with um, Adrian Gonzalez, Giovanni Soto, Nick Swisher, and them, uh, yeah. where like they can actually catch the ball to like take away time or a home run from the other. It, it's pretty cool. I'm not saying they need to do that for the Home Run Derby, but I don't know. Something to look at. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's for another discussion for another show, obviously, clearly. But uh, no, I like I said, I always enjoy it. Uh, Julio Rodriguez yeah. break. I, I had a feeling that this is going to be his breakout moment, and it, and it ended up being his breakout moment. He yeah. lost, but uh, it kind of reminded me when uh, Vlad Guerrero kind of uh, exploded into the scene at the yeah. Home Run Derby as well. Sure. So, anyway, well, these guys are not a, a explosive. Uh, we have about a list of 20, 21 names. I don't know if we're going to get to them all today, but uh, let's start off. Let's start off with Jasmani Grandal. Uh, oh. Let's start a catcher. Yeah, let's just do it by <laughs> position. Why not? Let's start a catcher. Yes, Manny Grandal. Uh, he's been hurt for a majority of the year. And even before he got hurt, he was off to a really awful start. Like, just. It, and what was the injury? Was it the cat lower body again, I believe? I thought it was a back issue. I don't remember. At this I feel point. like I mean, anytime he gets hurt, it's like calf, hamstring, or something like that. Well, yeah, because he's a cheater. He, 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 uh, <laughs> he was suspended for PD. Everybody always forgets him. He's a name that's easily forgotten when it comes to PED suspensions. Oh, I can never forget, man. I'll never forget. <laughs> never forget. Oh, man. I, I, I've, been, I've been obsessed with Jasmani Grandal since he was uh, a Padres farmhand. And, and, uh, correct me if, if, if he was uh, 
on another on another team before the Padres. But yeah, then this kid named Austin Hedges comes up and the Padres are like, yeah, well, I think we're going to go with Austin Hedges. Like, why? Why? You got Defense. Yes. Defense. And then they got rid of him anyway. Now they got like, I don't know, Austin Nola. Austin right. Nola and Luis Campusano, who it like has always been a top prospect, but they haven't given him more than a cup of coffee in the majors. Yeah, well, they had just money going down and they decided that he wasn't good enough. But uh, <laughs> no, unfortunately, I don't remember. I'm, I mean, I'm trying to look it up right now, but uh, oh, was a, yeah, it was a back. A back. A back injury that, that has pretty much derailed his season, but he was struggling to begin with, but I have stats pulled up since June 15th. Obviously, he's uh, only been back for such a short time, but you know, Jasmani Grandal in three games uh, since coming back uh, from the All-Star game, well, All-Star break, 364 batting average, 417 on base, 364 slugging percentage. So, yeah, yeah. That, that's four hits in three games. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, typical Yasmani Grandal stuff, uh, the high on base percentage and uh, the power is always, uh, well, supposed to be there, but it's not there uh, back from the injury. I mean, this uh, year is the lowest it's been um, basically his entire career. And of course, that goes with the 196 batting average he has. Uh, I don't know. He's coming up on 10 years of being a major league catcher. Uh, I think all three games that he started coming off the IL have been at DH. Uh, I feel like Grandall might be getting close to just being a DH. That's like, what it looks like. And unfortunately, with the White Sox, on a team full of guys who should be DHing, that's not uh, that's not feasible. It's almost like the Philadelphia Phillies model of uh, okay, let's just get a lot of bats. Uh, that's what universal DH means, right? That everyone can just DH. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, I, listen. We we knew the the warnings, uh, the the cautionary tales about just Money Grandal and signing a catcher to a long term deal off free agent. He's thirty three years old now. But you you sign him because you thought your team was ready to win championships yeah. immediately, and that hasn't happened. And this team has looked just awful. Uh, and then Grandal, the other reason you got him is because you know he's the king of pitch framing, right? Yeah. So if he can't do that, then does he go the way of, of Dallas Keuchel, or do you think, or do you think that this is he's just trying to get his timing back? He's going to get his bearing straight, and he's in for a. And if you're a catcher, which is always a, a position of need, he's going to be just tearing the cover off the ball like he did last year. What do you think about that? I mean, at, at this point, he has the one year left on that four year, 75, 73 million dollar deal, whatever it was. Okay. So I, I think he just rides it out with the White Sox. He maybe gets one more deal at the end of next year, depending on how the next year and a half go. But, uh, I just worry about catchers, uh, especially when they start reaching 33, 34, 35. The guys that can still perform both behind the dish and in the box is very low. I mean, there's few guys that have done it, and they're definitely the exception, not the rule. I mean, Kurt Suzuki was able to do it a little bit. Yadier Molina was able to do it a little bit. But a lot of those guys were more part-time guys uh, their entire career. While Grandall, at least, you know, there were several years where he was the guy yeah. Um, behind the plate. So, so the whole adage that we have, were going on the last couple of years that sometimes older is better at catcher than younger because you know the experience and they uh, are you know tr- entrusted with more playing time. Um, I guess this theory does not fall well on Yasmani Grandal, is what you're saying? Yeah, probably a little bit. I mean, if he <laughs> if he goes straight to DH, um, then maybe I have a little bit more faith in him, but. Uh, 
if it's still like a catcher timeshare thing, I feel like it just puts them at more risk to miss more time. Really quick, uh, Austin saying good morning to us. Uh, wow, he's always up early on Sundays, isn't he? There you go. Uh, over there in stunt school. So we might be seeing a little mini celebrity of sorts when he comes back. <laughs> you know how they get, man, they go into acting <laughs> classes. and they, they take one acting class. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they become thespians. Like, oh, you know, they, 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 he's going to have to explain to me these simple intricacies of uh, Jason Statham's uh, <laughs> and Harrison Ford stunts or whatever. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, he'll, so, yeah, I think Austin's gone for the rest of the month. So we'll... Uh, well, we can't wait to hear some of these stories. Actually, he's been updating us in other uh, groups as that we have here about how that's going. So interesting to see how that works out. Next guy on the list. Uh, well, let's stay with the White Sox. Uh, Yoan Mankata. Uh, <sighs> bro, I don't know, man. This is the <laughs> cautionary tales about putting too much stock on these prospects. List. This guy was formerly a number one nope. prospect in all the land. The big, the big fish, the big gain in the Chris Sale trade, him and Michael Kopech. Michael Kopech, another guy. Who, we don't know what to make of him anymore because he's never around. He never pitches. No. And Mancada, he is around and either is too. Uh, <laughs> or he's not around. <laughs> or, 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 yeah, yeah, he too is. I mean, everybody in the White Sox is hurt, right? Uh, Jimenez, uh, Luis Robert, everybody's hurt. The only one who stays durable is Jose Abreu, and he's up there in age as well. Jesus. But anyway, Mancada, uh you know, he's either, either too patient or, or, or I don't know, or, or the strikeouts are too high and he doesn't walk enough or, or I don't know what his deal is. I don't know what his problem well, is. It's like this year, he's not even walking a whole lot. He's not. I mean, yeah, it's a, a 6% walk rate. Um, and it's just one of those we expected for when he did kind of pivot to this high walk, higher strikeout guy that the power would, you know, shine through, which he had the, the 25 home run season in 2019 and ever since that he's had a combined 25 home runs in a 240 ish games now so the power just has not come back now white Sox fans will always tell you well COVID got him COVID got him uh in 2020 listen man COVID got a lot of players and some yeah. of those players have already recovered and they're back to being their old selves Mankata is just back to being his old unsure inexperienced self like we're, we're looking at rookie totals here so with all that being said Mankata has had a pretty good uh, uh streak of games going since uh middle of june so is that an indicator that he's finally figured things out and he's about to turn things around or is that just uh fool's gold here i mean it easily could be and when i look at what he's done this year compared to 2019 it's actually kind of interesting because in 2019 he actually had a pretty low walk rate um, and he hit 315. He was being more aggressive. And then in 2020 and 2021, he kind of went back to that work the deep counts, you on Mankata, where he walked 12, 13, 14% of the time. Um, but this year, it looks like he's trying to be a little bit more aggressive. But the difference between this year and 2019, um, 130-ish points of bat up. So just not hitting the ball with the same authority um, that he did in 2019 when he had a 284 expected batting average, 523 expected slug. In 2022, those numbers are 223 and 373. So just not hitting the ball with the same oomph as he used to be able to. Yeah, Austin is also uh, sharing his dis- his displeasure of Yasmani Grandal and Yoan Mankata. Doesn't believe in any of them. Uh, I'm kind of encouraged. 
of Almancada right now, uh, although the uh, the Statcast numbers show some respectable um, uh, figures since uh, June fifteenth. So I'm kind of encouraged by by the improvements, but still, he's someone that I kind of have to be reluctant about right now. Like he's available in in, in, a, in, a, in one of my fantasy leagues, and I had to really think about it. Like who do I cut? Yeah, and there's nobody to cut to make room. Do I need another third baseman? Because I already have a Alex Bregman in that league, and he's also struck. Maybe that's the name we should have brought up today. <laughs> oh man, I, I think I think even his though isn't as bad as I would have thought though. Great, uh, yeah, like there, there's some there's some guys that are having bad years, but they're not as bad as you think because of how bad offense is overall. And we were talking about that a little bit before the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well. Yeah, he didn't make the cut, uh, but uh, I don't know. I still believe in Breckman. I just don't know what his deal is. Maybe another 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 time, I guess, we can discuss. Uh, all right. Well, the guy who is leading everybody and the uh, WOBA and Ops and all that on my 12-player list. Oh, wait, we were supposed to do two hitters, and then we switched switch it up to the pitchers, maybe? Okay, go for it. All right. Let's start with Marcus Stroman, um, just because I don't know what to make of him. Um I mean, I know what to make of him, obviously, but <laughs> but he plays on a really bad team, and there are times where he looks like he's pitching for Team USA in the World Baseball Classic, and there are days where, despite you know, regardless of injuries, there are days where he just looks very ordinary, very, you know, not nothing too appealing. Yeah, you're, I know you're a big Mets fan, so you got a, a chance to see him a lot. Marcus Stroman, uh, do we trust him for the rest of the season? Yes or no? I'm leaning towards no. Wow. Uh, I, I, I've had a couple of, I think it was a Cubs fan or even a Mets fan that's been, you know, kind of riding Stroman for a couple of years now. He was like, oh, he plays for a terrible team with terrible defense. And I'm like, yeah, that team hasn't played the greatest defense. They have some very good defensive players and they have some bad ones. Uh, but that's not what is, you know, I don't think that's the root of Marcus Sherman's issues. Marcus Sherman's always been a pitch to contact guy, gets weak contact, stay off the barrel. Obviously, he's going to give up some harder hits, but as long as it's on the ground and stuff like that, that that's his game. It's always been his game. Yep. Uh, this year in 2022, uh, career high exit velo against career high hard hit rate against. and It's not even really close. He's at a 46 percent hard hit rate. The strikeout rate is a little bit high, like it were a little bit higher, like it was with the Mets, um, but still not like an elite strikeout guy. Um, sitting at a four three eight ERA right now with a four point two zero expected ERA, I, it's not terrible. It's just for a guy that's pitching to contact and he's starting to give up more and more hard contact. That just no, it doesn't work. Well, I had a chance to go. Uh, with Marcus Stroman, pick him up in one of my leagues. and But I saw Braxton Garrett there. And the thing that determined me getting picking up Braxton Garrett over Marcus Stroman was that I didn't like Stroman's matchups in the next couple of yeah, games. Yeah, I was saying Garrett's had some nice matchups over the last, like, three or four starts. It was it's like, the Pirates it, all the it time, was, man. It was two Pirates and, like, one Cincinnati or something like that. Yeah, it's the thing that James are made of. And then uh, Stroman, I think he had uh, the Cardinals in one. Like, yeah, oh, God, I'm no. not doing that again. <laughs> God, <Not> no. <laughs> but in the last three games, unfortunately, yeah, he, too, has been hurt. But since June 15, he's only pitched three games. But in those three games, He's looked pretty damn good uh, on this list of uh, what, what do we say? Seven starting pitchers I have here. Yeah. Yep. Um, he's given up the least amount of actually the second lowest uh, contact outside the strike zone and uh, second. Yeah. Uh, 
third lowest i'm sorry second lowest contact rate sorry about that so so there's some uh promise there uh but you know what uh, that's what my point was i think stroman if you have him going on some favorable matchups he might like you know stream these pitchers yeah he that might be the way to go with him but uh, yeah you're right i don't know if i want to trust him to insert into my lineup every week it's like if he can start you know missing barrels and lots of weak contact that's that's what will get me to change my mind but it's just let me let me let me, let me point this out and, and those three games i know small sample size but you know recent uh demographic or recent stretch here 2.8 percent barrel rate is that imp- okay is that that, encouraging that, that, that is encouraging uh I, do you know the uh hard hit rate against 38.9 percent okay that that's it's good but it's not the best that we've seen from him yeah um, still on the towards the higher end my concern is that he is consistently, no matter if it's a large sample size or a small sample size, he's consistently at a nine point, at a nine percent ish uh, swinging strike percentage. So I would, uh, you, you mentioned it, con- pitch the contact pitcher. So I guess we are to expect those numbers to be low, but yeah. yeah. So yeah, maybe a, a good streaming option more than uh, he is the Netflix of starting pitchers this year. <laughs> stream, stream, stream. Yeah, his last three starts: uh, Dodgers, Mets, Phillies. Not exactly what I would call great matchups, but he's only allowed uh, two earned runs total um, in those starts. Only went four and a third and four innings in the first two and six against the Phillies. So, oh, look at that! Maybe, maybe, there, maybe there's a tiny bit of hope. Not, not yeah. a lot of hope, but a tiny bit. Uh, the him and his two twenty two Babbitt. Yeah, over there. I, I looked up Braxton Garrett's last four starts, and they were Nationals, Mets, Pirates, Pirates. So yeah, yes. de- definitely. Uh, I, I remember seeing that and. I, I think I picked him up somewhere and streamed him for a couple of starts. All right. Well, we move on to, uh, just so I can stay in order here. Aaron Hicks has the highest ops, like I mentioned, the highest Woba. Uh, as, as you guys may or may not know, for those who play like we do, because we're crazy, we play in <laughs> uh, in outfield leagues where we split them into left field, center field, right field, into those three slots. And uh, center field is weak this year. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I almost uh, traded away Julio Rodriguez uh, for Grayson Rodriguez, actually, to my guy, Steven. Um, Stephen Carey, yeah, and and I was this close to trading him away, Ooh. and then I realized, holy crap, who am I replacing Julio Rodriguez with? There are no <laughs> center fielders. Yep, and this was at a point where Rod- Julio was really what struggling. It, what are the odds of that that you mentioned Stephen Carey and he just started? He just hopped into the stream. Yeah, he must have heard me talking shit about him picking up uh, JT Brubaker. Oh, uh, he's the, yeah, he's the one who picked him up right now. Uh, JT Brubaker here to save a season. <laughs> he's actually Carey's uh, actually uh, doing pretty good, but uh, I don't know, man. That Brubaker pickup, I don't know. He, it, I, I bet you he's starting twice this week. There has to be it, probably. Right? Yeah, it's probably optimal matchup. Stupid ass weekly leagues. I don't even know why I'm in a uh, <laughs> different rant. Different rant. Uh, so Hicks uh, is next in line, you know, a little bit older, also in, uh, injury riddled. But then the last uh, since June 15th, uh, like I said, 8, 846 ops, 367 Woba, uh, you know, 41 percent uh, hard hit rate. He has uh, among, he's one of the few players on this list uh, of struggling players, so to speak, who is above 10 uh, percent barrel rate. Uh, I've always liked the guy. I always think that is if he just stays healthy and just stays in the lineup consistently, he can produce. But what do you make of it, Mr. I have a podcast later tonight to talk about the Yankees. Uh, Aaron Hicks is just, I don't know it. He feels so much older than 32. You kind of yeah. know what you're going to get out of him. 
when he's healthy, he's going to draw his walks. He's going to have good at bats. Uh, it's just when he makes contact, just the, the quality of contact seems to be getting just progressively and progressively worse uh, with Aaron Hicks. The plate discipline always been there, but um, the, the defense is so-so still, and that usually kept him on the field. Uh, but now I don't even really know without Yankees outfield situation. I know Tim O'Castro is starting a few games, then he got sent down and Joey Gallo's Joey Gallo. <laughs> so Aaron Hicks, I'm assuming is playing close to every day. Um, which I mean, that's a plus. I mean, I just, you just saw me pick him up in, in our league in a baseball league because Luis Robert hurt again. Cause that's mm-hmm. what the white Sox do together. You know, the white Sox for a long time, you see, and white Sox fans will tell you this. That's the, the one thing that we're bragging about for a long time. They were like uh, among the leaders in making sure that their starting lineup stayed intact and healthy and hundred percent and, and were able to play for a majority of the, uh, uh, of games uh, compared to other teams. That was like their one ace in the hole. Well, we got the best, <laughs> we got the best training staff in the league, man. And That's it's cool. gone. <laughs> it's completely gone. And again, Jose Abreu probably is the only, the iron horse of that, of that team. But, uh, but no, I, I saw that Hicks was playing almost every day. And I, you know, he's rostered in the, in the Mardi Gras league as well as I'm looking here. So out of desperation, I picked them up to replace Luis Robert and, yeah, the center field is weak this year. So far in July, um, he's having his best month so far. Uh, more walks than strikeouts, 12 to 10 walks of strikeouts, 298, 441, 596 over 60 plate appearances. So you might be catching a hot hand here. He has three home runs uh, in those 60 plate appearances, the most home runs he's had in a month so far this year. Um, yeah, so Aaron Hicks, you know, could be a valuable just – Playing the hot hand type feel. Yeah. Well, like I said, I've always liked the guy. Um, I I almost considered him a keeper player a couple a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, when, he had that he had that great year. Oh yeah. Like, On base machine yeah. with a little bit of pop, could play a mean center field, strong arm, just hasn't uh, really translated into oh. uh, a, a, a consistent player. Well, let's stay with the Yankees. Might as well get this out of the way. <laughs> Joey Gallo. Um, Joey Gallo, there is nothing that has is encouraging about his stats from since June 15th. Uh, check this out 37.2 strikeout rate. Oh, that's interesting. But he counterbalances <laughs> well, he counterbalances it with a 19.8 walk percentage, so right? That's what we want. Uh, it's not that bad, right? He's almost walking 20% of the time, right? Oh, is, is that since June? June 15th, okay, yeah, because he's at 15% total for the, the entire year. Look at that, man. There's a walk increase. Is that an encouraging sign for you right there? Possibly not. <laughs> Possibly not. Uh, what about this? He has a 13.5 barrel rate and a 45.9% hard hit rate. Um, is the, that encouraging? The, the, that's a decrease in barrel rate over the entire year and basically the same in hard hit rate from the entire season. Yeah, and the contact is just some of the worst numbers I've ever seen in contact rate. I mean, I've seen yeah. some really bad ones, but I know this is a small sample size, but like I said, we're just trying to figure out if the trends are going up or down on this guy. Outside the strength zone contact rate, 30%. Overall contact rate, 61%. I mean, even Javier Bias makes more contact than this guy. Is there anything salvageable for Joey Gallo for the rest of the year? Is this guy going to burst into uh, explosive uh, home runs or if he gets traded out of New York, do you foresee him turning things around or I, I, I still, I, I want to believe in Joey Gallo so bad. Same. Cause I think he could just be like the craziest player 
I mean, just in terms of offense, defense, the arm, exciting home runs, like 500-foot bombs. It's just – I think I've given up. No, I'm definitely, like, I'm so fatigued on it because I, I want him to do good. Like, I don't even dislike Joey Gallo. Oh. I think he has a skill set and he does it very well. It's just I think he's been – the approach is so beatable in that guys know that they can beat him in the zone. Um, he's chasing more this year. I mean, he's still above average and not chasing, but he used to be like Daniel Vogelbach, right. like Juan Soto, Mike Trout levels of not chasing out of the zone. And I feel like his time in New York, it's maybe gotten to him a little bit where it's just like, I, I got I to gotta, I gotta swing. And he's like, I got to hit something. And now he's, it's just that spiral going down. So I, I don't like putting emphasis on that. Like, oh, it's the New York media. It's the New York fans. It's New York, New York. It's the it's it's New York everything. New York is so much bigger than everything else. It's ain't Texas. I can tell you that much. I try not to because every time you hear about that, we see plenty of – I mean, the Yankees have, what, almost 30 championships? Yeah. So it can't be that bad, right? I mean, it, it, it could be, but it can't be that detrimental where guys don't uh, – um, perform right. I mean, for every Javier Vasquez, you get an Esther Cortez. So. Yeah, and, and, and I think it's not like necessarily for Gallo. It wasn't an immediate thing, but I think it's one of those things that just it builds and it builds. And once it gets to a point, like you're just like what you're you're lost. And I, I think that's that's what's happened to him because it was him, Bryce Harper, Chris Bryant. They were all tied together at the hip at one point because the I think they're all Scott Boris agents, right? Yeah. Or uh, Scott Boris is their agent, and they all came from Las Vegas. And uh, well, you know, Chris Bryant this is Chris Bryant. Bryce I mean, because I mean, when when uh, Gallo was in Texas before the trade, he was at 223, 379, 490. He had an 870 OPS. Mm-hmm. And this year we're looking at a 642. It's you know, 624 since six uh, since June 15th. No. So, yeah, the numbers are reversed a little bit there. Um, but uh uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I, the other, other thing I could think of is that he was encouraged to just swing for the fences because supposedly there's a short porch in right field. It, could that have messed up his I, I think it, it easily could have, uh, yeah, honestly. Right? If like, Because, you know, he struggled down the stretch last year after the trade, and maybe that was just one of those things where he's like, okay, maybe my approach from Texas, maybe I don't need to do that so much. Maybe if I just swing a little bit more um, – I'll hit more home runs because I don't even have to hit it that far. And the the, the decision to swing more has led to, you know, the, the so-called death spiral of his kind of career. <laughs> it's kind of funny, man, that uh, Aaron Hicks, we just mentioned him, ha- has a pretty similar approach, if not even a more patient approach since June 15th, uh, just like Joey Gallo. Gallo, outside the strike zone swing percentage, is only 25%. Overall swing percentage is 41.8%, and Hicks is at 195 and 38%. So these guys are very patient at the plate. Yeah. It's just funny that it has worked for Hicks, at least in the last month or so, but it hasn't worked at all for Joey Gallo whatsoever. And it's just, I mean, it, it just boggles my mind, and there's, like, no straight answer. I mean, but... Yeah, uh, so when it comes to Joey Gallo, I'm looking at his chase percentage by month. Um, in June of 2021... He was at 16.2, and then August and September, he started climbing back up towards 20%. The first two months, three months of the season, he was at 30%, which was like the highest it's been in 
uh, four or five years. Um, and then so far in July, it's down to 14.8, which is the lowest it's been since um, sometime in 2018, 2019. It's like 2019. So maybe hey, he's going back to not swinging so much. I don't know. Uh, well, it's not working. Whatever it is, it's not working. And maybe it's just something as simple as a, a new change of scenery here. Yeah. Uh, really quick, just wanted to point out that the reason Steve Carey, uh, my guy, uh, picked up JT Brubaker is that he is indeed facing a two-star. He's a two-star pitcher next week. The Cubs and the Phillies. I like those odds. If uh, Brubaker is on um, in Citizens Bank Park, then maybe that works. Oh, really? oh, no, 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 not, not in Citizens Bank Park. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. PNC, yeah. Sorry. The wrong, wrong bank. Yeah, the wrong bank. Hopefully he doesn't make uh, allow too many deposits into the stands. Ha. But, um, <laughs> sh- <laughs> All right. Uh, you want to go another hit or you want to go back to the pitchers here? Uh, you, you choose. Uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, choice. Yeah, let's go with Max Muncy. I'm kind of curious about him. That was he was a late addition to our list, and that was a really good one on, on your part here. Uh, Max Muncy since June 15th, uh, five home runs. That's good. Uh, but uh, 28.9 strikeout rate. He does couple that with a 15.7 walk rate. So mm-hmm. not as bad as Joey Gallo, but the still same similar walk for strikeout ratio. Mm-hmm. Uh, low batting average. The power is not there. Uh, same same patient approach. We're basically talking about the same guy, except that Muncy has had higher contact rates, uh, which kind of makes him, I don't know, a promising, a more promising hitter. Plus, you add the 90 mile per hour exit velocity, uh, same uh, similar uh, barrel rates of 13.4% and 44.8% per, hard hit rate. So I don't know. What is the difference between Joey Gallo and Max Muncy here? I, I, I don't know, because really when you look at the, the total season numbers, uh, they're both, I think they have the two lowest expected batting averages in all of baseball. Um, Muncie has just not chased and walked, you know, Muncie hasn't chased as much as Gallo has, and he's walked more than Gallo has, which isn't really a shock to us. Cause that's been Max Muncie. I mean, literally the last, what, four or five years where it's just nothing but walks and walks and walks <laughs> with a little bit of power. Yeah. Um, last year, you know, he had a, a 271 expected batting average. He was, you know, borderline MVP candidate last year before getting hurt. Um, and this year it's just, it's, it's not the same way. Uh, he's hitting the ball, not as hard. He's still, he's walking more than he's ever walked. 18% walk rates kind of insane. Um, though the whiff rate has gone up, uh, kind of across the board, especially against breaking balls. Um, which gives me a little bit of pause and that, you know, he's gone from one of the best fastball hitters the last few years. Um, since 2018, his run values versus fastballs, uh, 18 and 2018, uh, 2019, 25 runs, 2026, 2021, 20. I mean, and then he crushed four seamers and sinkers alike. Uh, this year he is negative run value versus fastball, uh, all fastballs. So, wow. That it's kind of worrisome, honestly. I, you know that he's going to have the good at bats. He's going to draw a lot of walks, but because um, what was he dealing with the the partial tear in the UCL? Yeah, the elbow. And, and I was it's, and it's like I, I know that, that isn't really supposed to affect hitting all that much, but maybe you, you got you got to think that there's something going on here for it to affect him so drastically and so quickly. 
um, like it has. Well, I guess, I mean, we've seen it with uh, Shohei Otani. He's dealt with it before where he just was strictly a DH uh, with uh, with uh, uh, the elbow recovery. Uh, and we're seeing it with Bryce Harper now. Uh, and I don't know. He's out, right? He's on the IL. Yeah, 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 he, yeah he's done. Max Muncy elbow. So I guess it just depends. See, I, I guess a better a better analysis would be um, which which elbow was it uh, for Shohei Otani uh, for Ma- yeah. and, and for Max Muncy, right? So just yeah. to be able to compare, right? Unfortunately, we're not doctors. This is not an injury show. But uh, if you bear with me, I can uh, look le- that up. Left elbow for Muncy. Uh huh. Left and, elbow for Muncy. Okay. And I think Otani's going to be right because he pitched right. Oh, that's um, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. So. Different elbows. <laughs> See, if you're left-handed, now, this is just me because, you know, I I don't want to put myself in there, right? But yeah. I, I can only use myself. And, and I'm going to say what other uh, major league hitters have said in the past about if you're left-handed, most of your power comes from your right hand, right? That's why you see yeah. a lot of uh, uh, guys who bat left-handed, but they're right-handed, right? Yeah. Like, Shoy, like Shoy Otani. Yeah. So the, the lead hand is the one that is driving the ball into the gaps, into the yeah. air. So that's where the power is. So you would think that Shohei Otani, if that's his right elbow that was hurt, you would think that that would affect him negatively because, you know, he has to be careful. And yeah. that's a lot of whiplash just striking that ball. Max Muncy is the left hand. That's kind of like the guiding hand, right? Yeah. I And I do apologize if some of you <laughs> baseball experts are out there. You, you come on our show, you tell me how it works. <laughs> I'm just speaking from experience because I was a switch hitter when I was growing up. I, I, I didn't play Little League, right? I just you know, playing with my, messing around my friends, I would play, you know, uh, that kind of baseball or, or fungal ball or, or whatever games we played. Oh. Well, in Chicago would be 16 inch softball, right? Like, so yeah. <laughs> that's where Chicagoans, we, we like our balls big, like the way we like our, <laughs> pe- the way we like our pizzas, right, Sean? Oh so, yeah. <laughs> so it's a guiding hand, right? It's supposed to kind of guide where, where you want the, the bat to, <laughs> the bat to be directed. So, I would assume that if it was a right hand, that that wouldn't affect him much. But maybe, maybe the power isn't the problem. Maybe is the problem is uh, him trying to put the the guide the bat to the ball. Yeah, to, to put the, the swing that he wants onto it. Um, so, yeah, who knew? Who knew that that would be uh, uh, negatively more? Of, uh, it would affect him more negatively if, if he would just uh, injured his throwing hand. Yeah, uh, the the swing rate is basically. I mean, he's always had a lower swing rate. Uh, he, he's a very patient um, hitter, man. You're not, uh, like but said, his Joey his Gallo. zone his zone contact uh, last year eighty three point two percent. This year seventy seven point seven percent. So oh. a pretty large drop there in zone yeah. contact. Um, that yeah, that could be a problem right there. Yeah. Oh boy! All right. Well, let's go back to the pitchers. Uh, as soon as this thing loads up and. Uh, Let's let's hey let's talk about an old favorite of ours, right? Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, he he just pitched a dandy of a game recently. Yeah, I was saying, uh, he had the game last night. He went eight innings, right? Something like something crazy like that. But since June 15th, you guys laugh, but since June 15th, here's his numbers, right? Seven starts. He pitched seven starts. Like the strikeouts aren't aren't there. I mean, he's he's, he's up there in age. The velocity is down, right? Well, 92 mile per hour. I mean, it's it's, it's higher than it has been the last two years. Okay, so yeah. he found he found something. A little bit. <laughs> but the control is there. Only a three strikeout per walk ratio, 3.00 strikeout per walk ratio. Uh the whip is still high, but he's not giving up home runs. 
that's good. Well, uh, I wonder why nobody can hit home runs. Well, FIP is at 364. Uh, the other uh, ERA peripherals are not good. Uh, the hitters have been very aggressive with him. Uh, low, low swinging strike percentages. Uh, just nothing, nothing too appealing here. Uh, but uh, the big one is that, uh, let's see, he's looks like he's pitching these ridiculous amount of innings. Is that what it is? Yeah, he has 40 innings pitch, which is the highest mark, the highest total of this list of seven pitchers. So what is that average about to be about maybe six innings per uh, game in the last seven starts? So a little bit of a modern day workhorse Madison Bumgarner with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Maybe he's getting some sort of uh, boost in regeneration with all these young buckaroos coming up. What do you think about that theory? Uh, um, I'm just uh, like the eight inning game last night was against Washington. Uh, he had a seven inning start a couple weeks ago, right before the all-star break against the Rockies, but it was in Arizona. He went seven innings there. Well, Sean, I got to I got to interject here. Are you telling me that Madison Bumgarner is back to being a streamable pitcher like Marcus Stroman? Possibly. Yeah. Um, uh, I will say this: Madison Bumgarner this year at home has a three point oh three ERA in eleven starts. On the go. road, Madison Bumgarner four point seven one ERA. So, kind of going back to like that last year or so in San Fran, where he was getting obliterated on the road but was like one of the best pitchers in baseball at uh, whatever that non-bank sponsored stadium is. Yeah, I think they, uh, they're at telecommunications. Oracle. Or- Oracle. Oh, I, I, saw, I thought it would be telecommunications, but I guess it's just you know technology. What did they used to be, AT&T? Or... AT&T, yeah. and, well, and then they got bought out. No, uh, it was uh, Pacific Bell, then Yahoo or some crap like that. But obviously, um, they all got bought out by AT&T anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, I think AT&T is a part of the Warner Media conglomerate, so <laughs> I'm surprised it's not a, a it's not called a uh, well Turner Field, right? <laughs> you have a Turner Field. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, you're right. Uh, at home uh, against San Diego, that's a pretty tough team. Um, he got he pitched five innings. That was back on June 29th. Four strikeouts, three walks, 105 pitches. Jeez. So. So he he I mean he didn't get the win or anything it doesn't look like it but uh, no he he's gonna go out there and he's gonna give you some innings so if you're in a points league hey the, those are bonus points for you right that's seven points right there that were where there were no points to be had against the Giants at home as well right five innings pitch uh, same thing four strikeouts three walks hit two batters for good measure a hundred and a <laughs> hundred pitches and I think he might have gotten the win on that one I can't tell uh, but the, the the Diamondbacks won eight to three back on July fourth. 13 and a half uh, fantasy points in my, in my league. So 18 points against the twins on June 17th. Twins have been decent, right? Three strikeouts, <laughs> only one walk, six innings pitched. I'm just like, if somebody else can have them, uh, it's, it's just, it oh, won't be man. me. It he's, won't be me. He's streamable, man. <laughs> he's streamable. He, you just know when you just you just he's so know streamable, man. <laughs> he, he's he's uh he's Hulu. He's a Hulu. He's gonna come in with ads, but he's okay. <laughs> just you just gotta know how to use him properly, right? Uh, and then his next his next starts against Atlanta. So don't use him there against Kyle Wright. Don't, don't use him. Use, there. Don't use him there. <laughs> Let's not do that. Let's not go crazy here, folks. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah, that's there's some. Uh, he's an option now. All right, let's go back to the hitters here. Who do we leave off with? Oh, boy. Well, let's get let's get Nick Castellanos out of the way, too, because that's another big name that um, I feel like uh, 
he should be doing better than this, especially in a hitter friendly ballpark. You just mentioned it. It's the big, it's a bank ballpark in Philadelphia. Uh, I mean, we see, we saw, uh, what's his face? Kyle Schwarber kind of have a sort of a resurgence there. Well, it's like, well, Schwarber's like, I, I feel like Schwarber's become like that hitter or like high, almost like Max Muncy, but like yeah. more power. Like yeah. you know, maybe he doesn't walk as much. He's going to strike out a little bit more than Muncy ever did. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about a bust in the home run derby. Oh my that God. Was, that uh, was, that was, it, I, I had joked about it earlier in the day in, in our Mets chat. I had joked about it. I said, uh, Pujols going to mess around and knock out Schwarber. And uh, I, I said, uh, Pujols is going to do something sick. And, uh, uh, or Schwarber, somebody said, no, Schwarber is going to do something sick. Like he's going to go all the way. <laughs> and I, th- I think it was Andrew who said like, yeah, Schwarber is going to do something sick. And then Pujols eliminates him. And Andrew was like, he did something sick. <laughs> yeah. He hit 12 home runs in advance or 13, uh, whatever the number was. No, but, but and I'm beginning to think that Schwarber might've uh, purposely lost. Yeah. Did, uh, yeah. Cause after he saw all the, all the Latino players uh, go up to Albert Pujols and, and kind of uh, give him, <laughs> A standing ovation. I, I can hear him say, should I even try to beat this guy? Well, I th- apparently I read it was, I think, in The Athletic that Paul Blackburn, the, the A's pitcher, who was their representative, he was, when he entered the game, he was pitching to Alejandro Kirk. Yeah. And Alejandro Kirk kept calling for inside fastballs from Paul Blackburn when Pujols <laughs> was at the plate. Paul Blackburn does not throw hard. Yeah. Um, so I think they asked Blackburn about it, and he was like, yeah, I think Kirk was trying to get me to groove fastballs for Pujols. And I'm like, it's, that doesn't surprise me. It's an exhibition game, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a different kind of cheating. Right? It's a different kind of cheating. <laughs> yeah. Well, Castellanos, uh, I don't even know if, if trash cans are involved and if cameras were involved could even be any better than this. Uh, uh, it's just been bad. I'm not, I'm not even going to bother reading the number. I'm, oh, here's a number for you. WRC Plus since June 15th. 48. That's the lowest that, on the that, list. That's even lower than his regular season so far. Yeah. So uh, and, and we talked about him on like the one of the, our last shows about like w- what we think is wrong with him. And I gave my, my two cents. I, I think he's packed it in. I don't think he's happy about having to play the outfield. Um, he is. I, I told you this before the show and I wanted to sneak it in. He has the lowest. He's the least valuable player <laughs> among all qualified position players at negative 1.2 war that's lower than Miguel Cabrera that's lower than the now demoted Spencer Torkelson lower than Randall Grichik Um, yeah talk about a bust how many people were just climbing over themselves to try and sign Nick Castellanos this year Um, and wow well shoot I I think we told you before right that our guy Larry tried to trade away (laughs) Jordan Alvarez and Bo Bichette for Nick Castellanos no and uh, we basically bullied him to not to do it. And look, Larry, Larry is one of the worst teams in the league, but he's had a resurgence uh, in the last couple of weeks. And uh, it's because he decided, well, we decided for him that he should keep Jordan Alvarez around. And not probably a good choice. Because, probably a good choice. A good and, choice that was made for him, for yeah, sure. And, yeah. and, and it's not even a thing with Castellanos. It's not even a home away thing like it was like in Cincinnati, where he was great at Great American Small Park. Uh, and then he was just kind of like middling on the road. He's just equally bad home or away. 655 OPS at home, 659 OPS on the road. So it's just, man, it's, it, it got ugly real quick. Well, it could it. I, I, again, I hate to do this because 
he was so up, consistent. He was so consistent. Bringing up I mean, fan bases and media attention and all that. Philadelphia is another notorious East Coast. No. Uh, hellhole. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hellhole, toxic, grape dump that it is in terms of the sports landscape. Um, but we've seen plenty of players succeed there, too. I mean, they also they have a championship in 2008. They had before that it was in 1980. So it's not like this. Well, I mean, it's it's a it's it's been a losing franchise for a long time, but there has been success. There has been time '93 where they made the World Series as well, and they beat the very good Braves team to make it there. So it's not like these guys cannot succeed. Yeah. Or they can come back to me and say that it's an attitude thing, right? It's an attitude thing with these players. But we saw Mike Schmidt, who was booed relentlessly because he wasn't a, a fiery guy, at least from what uh, how it was explained to me. But Mike Smith is a hot, one of the greatest third baseman of, all, of time, all time. So. Yeah. Well, I, I think I might have just, you know, very scratching the surface here, maybe to lead to something else. But Nick Castellanos in 2020 during the shortened season had that like pretty terrible year and he opted into the contract. He, he had a chance to opt out in 2020. He didn't. In 2020, uh, Nick Castellanos got the lo- highest amount of breaking balls he had gotten since 2013. Uh, which was his debut year. He, they threw him breaking balls 40% of the time. They had a terrible year. Last year, he only got them roughly 35, 36% of the time and, you know, was great, uh, but wasn't really great against the breaking balls. He did have 10 home runs against them, but only batted like 230. This year, pitchers are back to throwing him 40% breaking balls. He's batting 216 with only three home runs against them, uh, near 40% whiff rate. Um, so maybe it, it could just be simple as because every other year uh, his breaking balls against was like, you know, 31, 32, 33%. So a jump to 40 is pretty remarkable. Uh, maybe yeah. it, it, it's simply it's something as simple as that as he's not hitting breaking balls. Negative nine run value against sliders in 2022. <laughs> um, that's the lowest run value for, for him against any pitch since uh, 2017 when they started tracking run value and Castellanos has never been a guy who takes walks and is patient at the play. This is the opposite of uh, the other guys we mentioned, the Max Muncy's and the Joey Gallows of the world. I mean, this guy on the list of 12, he is the most aggressive hitter by far. It's like not even close 47 and a half percent since June 15, 47 and a half percent outside the strike zone swing percentage and 60%. I mean, 60% swing rate. That's like Ryan Moncastle numbers right there. Yeah. But without the success, yeah, right. So and I mean, he's he's his line drive percentage. Uh, he was always a great line drive hitter. I yeah. mean, even when he wasn't hitting a bunch of home runs, like in Detroit, uh, he was a great doubles hitter. Uh, this year, his line drive percentage has dropped from twenty nine point three the last th- two years to twenty one point nine. That's that's a, that's a dramatic. That will literally yeah. just put your bat up on a cross and kill it. I mean, that's like full blown execution of your bat up. And the last thing I wanted to mention about him, and the only reason I bring up the fan bases and the cities that he's played for, uh, the city that he plays for now, is because he, come, like you mentioned, debuted in 2013 with the Tigers, uh, then gets traded to the Cubs, ends up with the Reds. I mean, these are, I mean, the Cubs is where he was given a, a, a big standing ovation. Uh, and, and like I mentioned before in that interview, where they played a clip of Joe Madden just singing his praises, and he cries and he gets a big standing ovation. I don't. I can only imagine what would have happened if he did the same thing in Philadelphia, and how negative that would have been for him to do so. And I, that's why I'm thinking, like maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is something more to these intangibles that we can't measure. 
these toxic fan bases being bad for these players. <laughs> but I think I think you might have. Uh, uh, I think your explanation is a little bit better than mine. So uh, I like that. The, the... I, I just, I also want to bring up that I think Nick Castellanos might be the worst defender of my lifetime. Yeah. And like it might, it, it might not even be close. I mean, this uh, is just, just an OAA since they started tracking it. Negative 66. <laughs> this is a guy who was, uh, who came up as a third baseman and yep. the Tigers terrible. Were like, no, let's, let's put you out in the outfield where you can never be around the ball. Hey, it worked for Ryan Braun when he got switched to left field. Uh, has not worked out too well for Castellanos. Uh, another hitter. Let's go. All right. This was a controversial one before the show started, and that's Nate Lowe. And I know uh, he's been doing a little bit better uh, of late, but it's still for me. And I know uh, our other podcast partner, uh, Austin Spiro, uh, he's been kind of a disappointment because our expectations were high. I know that there was a lot of red flags, strong. We talked about them. There was a lot of red flags, but still, we thought that, well, this year he has to make that next step. Not that. And again, progress isn't linear, but it just seemed like he had the approach and the play discipline and, and he was just finding, you know, his power groove that it was natural to think that his, that he was going from this level to a higher level in 2022. And he got off to such a putrid start, like a really awful start. And I know this because I had him in one league, two of my leagues actually. And then Austin had him in the other league. And we were talking like, what the hell's wrong with Austin, with uh, Nathan Lowe, Nate Lowe. And I go, I don't know, man, but I think it's getting to a point where it, it's not it's not worth keeping him around. And and I think we all all we both cut him in all our leagues. But now he's uh, he's kind of uh, bouncing back a little bit and uh, where he might be fantasy relevant. And I don't know. I wanted to get your thoughts on Nate Lowe there. Yeah, I mean, he had a, a solid month of June or uh, not June, April, uh, batted three thirteen in April, was terrible in May. And then in June, he had, you know, kind of his breakout. He had seven home runs a 9-10 OPS. Um, you see, I, I think Nate Lowe is just a very good player. I, I don't think he's, like, terrible. I don't – I mean, he might be a little underwhelming from what we were expecting, um, especially defensively. I, I had heard great things about him defensively at first base in the minors, and uh, he's really just been terrible at first base. Uh, in terms of outs above average, I'd have to look at DRS. But – um solid you know keeps the strikeouts under control he's walking a little bit less this year but that's led to a little bit more aggressiveness more line drives which i always felt he had the bat control to not be a guy that relied on a 10 12 percent walk rate um yeah i i really like nate low and i think my favorite thing about him that you should like about him is that even though he's a lefty uh for most of his career he actually hits lefties better uh, and this year is another one of those years. He's batting 283, 327, 554 against lefties. That's an 881 OPS to go against his OPS versus righties, which is only 720. Um, the average and the uh, on base are roughly the same as it is versus lefties, but he's hit for more power event against lefties, which is an interesting, you know, paradigm for a guy like Nate Lowe, the the big burly six foot four mm. uh, lefty guy to actually be able to do that. And he's, I mean, he's older. He's 26, 27, but 26, I, I, yeah. yeah, I still think he's like, we haven't seen the best of Nate Lowe. Uh, we've seen improvement for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think the more we see that, the more like he could have just one of those years where like, I, I don't know who, who's a random like first baseman who had like a, a career year, like was just kind of middling before like a, a left hand. Yeah. Like oh, CJ oh, Crone or lefty. like, a le- le- or, I mean, left-handed Jesus Aguilar. 
Like, I don't like that. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of like Aguilar had one of those years where you know, yeah, I know it was like did. 30 something home runs, like between. It, it, but that, we know that was a fluke. We knew that was fluky. I mean, we, I mean, then we saw him at the, at the home run derby and he just looked awful. Uh, when was he that, in the home run derby? I forgot that. I must have um, that year. probably the year that they had it in Washington, I believe. He was a brewer. He was a brewer at that point. Yeah. That, that oh, well, I remember when he spent that last year in Milwaukee, it was 2019. The Mets faced him before he was traded. And oh my God, he, uh, they had another first baseman on that team. That played regular, more regularly, I think. The Brewers did. Yeah. Oh, God, Sounds that? right. Sounds uh, but right. yeah, he he like Aguilar absolutely destroyed us. Well, Nate Lowe, I had him as a top 13 first baseman, right? I'd, I'd have him like right in that 12, 13 range. Yeah. All right. Well, here we go. Let's see. How does this list change for next year? Is Nate Lowe better than Anthony Rizzo? Uh you're already thinking about it. You're is, an, is, is Anthony Rizzo a free agent at the end of the year? No, he signed an extension, I thought. Uh, how, how many years was it for? Two, three years, I think. Uh, I, 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 I push. I think they're close. They're close, huh? Because okay, so. I think Anthony, yeah, it was a two-year $32 million for Rizzo. Uh, but it's a player opt-out. He can opt out. Interesting. Oh, you got um, it? Oh, you got it? Yeah. You found it already? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he can, he can opt out at the end of this year. Uh, CJ Crone. We just, uh, we just mentioned it, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it it d- depends on where Crone goes. I mean, Crone's a good hitter, but he's like an elite level hitter in Colorado. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. De- definitely uh, depends on where he goes. Uh, I, oh, well, so those are guys ahead of Nate Lowe, uh, behind Nate Lowe at number 14 and 15. A couple of rookies here Alex Karoloff and Spencer Torkelson. Are, do those guys have a chance to uh, have higher upside than Nate Lowe and supersede him? I think they both have higher upside, but I think they much mm. they also have much lower floors. Mm. And I think we've seen that, especially with Torkelson, which I mean, Torkelson was I, I'm almost like I'm so discouraged with like the minor leagues right now is because we've seen guys like Jared Kalenic and Spencer Torkelson move fast. Right. And you have to say, like, it's not the team's doing them a disservice by moving them too fast, but you look at their production versus those guys and they've basically shown that they're too good for that level. Yeah. So the only thing you can do is just keep moving them up. Right. And then they get to the majors and it's, they're bad. I mean, they're really, really bad. Um, so it's like, what in the world? How do you avoid that? But uh, yeah, Kirloff and Lowe are pretty close for me. Okay. Um, what about Reese Hoskins? Why well, ranked that 16 coming into this year? That's how big I was on late, Nate Lowe. I had Nate Lowe ranked higher than Reese Hoskins. That's that's a pretty good one. I think Nate Lowe, especially if you're in a traditional categories league, might have a slight edge just for the the batting average. Right, um, so, so, and Lowe, so. Lowe showed a little bit more power this year than before. I think we were talking about that before the show. Last year he had 18 home runs in 150 games, 140 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year he already has 13 and 88. So um, he's closing that gap between him and Reese. Okay, slowly but surely. So Matt, I, I'd probably take Nate. All right, so let's go back to the top of the leaderboard here. And so Nate Lowe, you say it's a push with Anthony Rizzo. Let's assume that Nate Lowe is better than Anthony Rizzo, top 12 first baseman. And did you say that he that he was better than CJ Crone? I, I I was wondering where Crone ends up. If Crone gets traded like out of Colorado, right? I'd, I'd probably put Nate Lowe in front of him, just hedging my bets. But right, if let, CJ Crone stays in Colorado. Let's make that assumption that CJ Crone is gone, even though he's signed through 2023, but he's gone, right? Let's yeah. just say he's he gets traded and they uh, – 
as someone told me, they make room so uh, Connor Joe can be the future of that franchise. That's what <laughs> someone told me. 30-year-old Connor Joe, the future Rocky Foundation. Um, Nate Lowe. Okay, so now Nate Lowe's in top 11 category. Is Nate Lowe better than Jarrett Walsh? I haven't even paid attention to Walsh this year. Uh, I Walsh, I know, has a bit more platoon issues, which yeah. now I sound like you. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's real. It's uh, real. Yeah, this year, uh, six forty four OPS against lefties. Sub two, sub two seventy five OVP. He was even worse against lefties last year. So yeah, I'd probably lean towards Nate Low, just because oh, he has the boy. chance to play every day. Oh boy, here we go, Sean. So now we're talking about Nate Low being on a disappointing list, and now we we have him as a where are we now? Top ten. Is he better than Joey Votto? Yeah, I think that's going to be an easy pick for next year without Votto's. Top, top nine. Been. Top nine. Max Muncy. Is he better than Max Muncy? Oh, that could. It depends on how Muncy ends the year. Well, it depends on his guiding hand, right? It, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Can you still see me? Yeah, I, I got uh, you. I got okay. you. I lost my screens here. Jose Abreu. He's a seventh. Uh, he, I had him ranked number seven coming into this season. Jose uh, Abreu. Jose Abreu. Oh, that's where I, it I stops. Feel, I feel okay. pretty confident about that. Yeah. All right. Even though Jose Abreu is going to be in his mid thirties next yeah. year. And yeah, and yeah, I'll, I'll take Abreu. I feel like that's where I, I kind of lose my like sureness of Nate Lowe. Uh, all right. Yeah. Going out with the established veteran. Uh, how old is Abreu? I keep forgetting. 34, 35. Also, oh, he's already in his mid 30s. Oh, he's 35. He'll yeah, be 36. He's 35, yeah. You're going to go with a 36 year old Jose Abreu? He's still smacking the shit out of the ball. Oh, man. <laughs> it, I mean, you would assume that it has to end eventually. And this is a career high walk rate year for him, too. Yeah. He's always and, and, a, and, a, and a, I believe, a career low strikeout rate. Uh, yeah, he's always at fourteen point seven percent. Like he was never a high strikeout guy. No, no, because he's a drop he's, from the twenty two percent to fourteen fifteen, and in your he's increased his walks each of the last three years to a eleven percent. Now I'm all about Jose Abreu. Now yeah. I used to just say he was a compiler. Like yeah, he just plays every day and he gets a lot of RBIs. Like whatever. Well, well that's a, well, that's a skill for the White Sox nowadays. <laughs> that's a, he's literally the rock of that franchise, even though they got younger players on that team. That's supposed to be more explosive, but no, Jose Abreu has always been a, a guy who is a very aggressive guy on the uh, at the plate, yeah. but he makes enough contact where the strikeouts shouldn't be a problem. Uh, Abreu is a free agent next year, though. There's no way Jose Abreu. I thought he signed an extension. He did. It does. Extension it, already. Uh, oh, geez. Time's up, man. Time's up. There's no way. There's no way he leaves, though. Those right? three seasons went by really fast, right? Well, he was supposed to be the stopgap while Andrew Vaughn figures things out. So. Oh, yeah. Shit. He is a free agent. You think Ooh. I'm lying? You think no, I'm lying? I, 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 I just, I'm shocked because that was already three years. Well, I'm going to say that. Okay, fine. Let's just stay that way. So if, Jose you, Abreu, if you're Jose Abreu, where do you want to go next year? If you're not going, coming back to Chicago, Miami, closer to Inter- Cuba. Interesting. Closer to Cuba. And they could use him. Yeah. Oh, but... Well, they'd just still be blocking uh, Lewin Diaz again. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing, right? That does Miami even want him? Well, that way they got designated hitters now, so yeah. that's not going to be an issue. But uh, that's actually a good question. Uh, does he fit with the Marlins? I'll, I, and I'm just saying because you know, I, you know, he wants to. I'm just assuming he wants to be close to home. But this is his home. Yeah. Chicago is his home. He's yeah. fallen in love with and it. He's been here for forever. 
he says he wants to be here forever. Well, money, I know that money talks, and this is probably his last contract if he decides to sign. But who's the first baseman now? Jesus Aguilar. I mean, he's better than we just established. Yeah, that. I, I, I mean, right now it's like it's either um, or, or Garrett Le, Cooper. Le, like Lewin Diaz. Garrett Cooper, I think, is a free agent, isn't he? Um, probably. I, I mean, I would take advantage if I were him. No. Sucker people into giving me giving me lots of money. Um uh I don't I don't see anybody of worth here. Oh there's Lewin Diaz. I see him. Yeah, wow. Lewin Diaz would be like the only person. Okay, so Cooper has one more year of control. Um, but I don't expect him to get traded, honestly. Yeah. Mar- Mar- Marlins need something back. Granted, they did just in the in the draft, they drafted the Hispanic Titanic, <gasps> Ivan Me- Ivan Mendez. Oh got drafted and yeah, no, he he got drafted to um, Miami, and he's he's the big burly right-handed bat, like kind of like Pete Alonso Jr. He had a crazy good senior year uh, this year. So I would have suggested maybe Abreu goes to the Angels because that seems to be an Angels thing to do. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> they'll give know. him a ten-year contract like they did for Pujols. Well, well, Pujols was what thirty-ish years old at that 30 time. Thirty years old. Oh wow, we're going we're going there now, huh? <laughs> I just I I, I, I love you. Albert. I just don't think he was actually thirty. <laughs> I don't think he was clean his entire career, honestly. But you see, uh, you see, I think he was clean. I just think he was way older than what they said. I don't know, man. That just some of the stuff that he used to do. Maybe that's how great he was, but I don't know. I, I'm jaded. I'm a jaded nineties <laughs> kid. But no, I dare you to bring that, that up to Henry uh, later tonight. <laughs> The fact, no, not the fact of steroid use, because that might that might make you look bad. But the the whole aspect that he might yeah. be older than he really is, he might be fifty years old. And like, I, I'm not sure if it's like a ten year gap, but I think it's like two to maybe three or four. So what? Like he's, when he when he when he was twenty, he got he debuted when he was twenty twenty. Um, maybe he was actually like twenty two, twenty three. Like that, that, that could kind of explain some things because me. he was very, I mean, he came up and he was very mature for a guy yeah. who was coming out of the minors. I don't even remember him being a highly touted prospect. That's why I don't know. My, my memory is kind of jaded, uh, kind of uh, hazy at that point. I mean, we're talking about 20 years ago. I just remember that he was available uh, in a lot of my baseball leagues and I picked him up in a lot of my baseball teams at that time. And I, he helped me win championships that year because he was just so damn good yeah he he was a rookie he played all of one year in the minors 133 games he went from a ball to a or high a to triple a he played three games in triple a in 2000 and then 2001 he's a thousand ops in the majors (laughs) (laughs) that's why i don't i mean yeah it could be an age thing like he's more mature than he really is because he is mature than he is maybe he's 24 at that time instead of 21 but i also think he was doing stuff that he wasn't supposed to be doing but there's no proof to do that yeah so it's it's just but like i said it's just speculation okay so he's 42 right now he'll be 43 next year you're saying he's 45 now yeah 45 46 come on guys we're just supposed to believe that he has been doing it the right way this whole time come on we we seen what happens when guys try to do things the right way in, in their mid forties, and it, it's not a pretty sight. I mean, anyway, that's another story for another time. I don't want to get crucified. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. I grew up in the nineties. All, all my favorite players ended up juicing, so I don't believe anybody. <laughs> I don't believe anyone. Oh, and this guy, 2001, he's right in the middle of it. You telling me that he didn't see what other other Dominican players were doing, and he's like, "Hey, that's a great idea." Thirteenth round pick, 
Who do we make? Mike Piazza was a 47th round pick or something. Basically. Oh, Mike Piazza juice. I, yeah. And I, that, that I get ostracized for that as a Mets fan. He definitely but, chooses. Yeah. But anyway. people are like, Oh, they had no, your, your proof is he had back acne. No, my proof is he added like 30 pounds of muscle in three months it, between like the end of the season. And when he reported to spring training, I mean, there is something to be said about guys who work hard and, and put the work in and all that crap, but come on. Mike Piazza was a he was a favor by Tommy Lasorda. He did his friend a favor by drafting Mike Piazza. It's anyway. and, I, and I don't think he did it like I, I really don't think he did it for you know like his entire life or his entire career. I think he once he got to New York and you know high expectations. If you talk uh, about Eastern fan base, I, I think he did it then. Uh, no man, once there's a, I think he that's what he that's what helped him get to the show. That's what helped him get become an all star. Those guys don't stop, man. Those guys don't stop. It's not a, it's not an addiction per se, but the addiction comes from from the results. You get more money, more attention, more fans, more women. You know, and uh, your body looks great. It's never looked better than than it has until you started using. It's an addiction. I mean, we see parallels with wrestling and all the other sports. Well, why why I don't know. That's a different story for another time. I don't want to. I, I I apologize for going into that <laughs> tangent, but it's just it's a sore spot. So yeah, forty five year old Albert Pujols. Anyway. Let's go on to the next on the list. I mean, who do we, oh, Joey Votto. Let's talk about Joey Votto. So there was a point earlier in the season where Joey Votto was like, hey, we might have something here with Joey Votto uh, because he switched bats or some crap yeah. like that. And then it, the, it came crashing down. He's 38 years old. Strikeout rate at 28.7%. Only 6.4% walk rate since June 15th, which is not what we're used to seeing from him. Uh, any other thing that uh, yeah, aggressive? He's a fifty percent swing rate, Sean. Yeah, he he's he switched up the the mo. Um, he was terrible to start the year, and then he was really good in March and June. And then I want to say he he left. He got hurt in June. He might have missed some time. I uh, played eleven games in May, uh, twenty six in June. So no, he was, but he was good in May and June. And he since he's come back. Um, just not very good in July, but he's just one of those guys who it always seems like all it takes for him to do is just tinker one little thing. Mm-hmm. And he he's right back there. Uh, so yeah, 37 WRC plus March, April, 178 in May, 135 in June, back to 34 in July. So we'll see how the next two months go. If he goes on the one bad, two good, one bad, two good, he could be a guy that, you know, possibly, is you know on fire in the last two months of this uh, season. So as it stands right now, he has back problems. But yeah, um, it, it was like he, something he was on the aisle, I think, for a little bit. No, he has back problems right now. He's dealing oh, with, and oh. that might have. I mean, to your point, that might have been the thing that got him uh, on the aisle. Uh, I see here uh, uh, an update from May twentieth. Votto illness was activated from COVID nineteen injury list. Oh, okay, so he had COVID. COVID. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, that'll do it to you. I mean, we we talked about. It, it, listen, if it's the back, we just talked about it. We just money Grandal. And if it's COVID, we just talked about it with Yom Mankata. So yeah. he's getting both of them at the same time. So <laughs> you can only imagine. All right. So Vado, do you trust him? You say that all he needs is a little tinkering and he's uh, good to go. Or? Out of any of these guys, he's probably the one I trust the most because he said it uh, when he had that terrible start to the year. Everyone there, somebody wrote the article, I think on Fangraphs and was like, is Joey Votto done? And Joey Votto screenshotted it, posted on his Twitter and was like, no, like you're going to get more. And all right. um and like he's just one of those guys. Like he said he was going to do it, and he did it. Um, did you did you hear anything about that bat? The bat that he was using to start the year. That I want to say he had switch bats in spring training, and then he went back to his normal bat. I think that's what it was. 
Oh, okay. Uh, I, thought, he, I thought it was using the, the one, the, the, the hockey puck bat, I think. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the new hockey puck, like the big heavy knob at the bottom of the weight or whatever. So, yeah, but I thought he was using that during the season, though. That's the thing. I thought he was, and then he switched. I'm not 100% sure, though. I have to look that up because yeah. I, I could have sworn that was in season. Yeah, April 29th. Joey Votto's experiment with his new hockey puck knob. Um, yeah, he was using it and he was terrible and he went in back April. to April. Yeah. In April. Not, not, yeah, not, not during the spring training, not just spring training, but in April as well. So that might have been. Well, he, anyway. he had switched to it in spring training. Oh, I see what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he switched right. off of it when he was terrible in April. All right. Moving on. Uh, you know what? Uh, pick a pitcher, any pitcher. Go ahead. Right here. Let's do Herman Marquez. Oh. All right. Colorado really, you know, screwed the pooch on this one. They they had a chance to trade him last year and they could have gotten a haul. Oh yeah. Do they trade him? Do they even entertain trading him? Right. They're now? not getting anything for him at all. I know he's in his mid twenties. He's only 27 years old, but still he looks like he looks damaged, man. I mean, we saw, I mean, we saw John Gray kind of go through something similar and now he looks pretty decent now yeah. in Texas. As we know, Texas is now a pitcher-friendly ballpark. It's not the ballpark in Arlington anymore. It's the uh, global life field. Or well, that's what I thought. That's what I had been told was that it was playing towards pitchers. But then during the home run derby, uh, and uh, Carl Ravitch was struggling the entire time. He was he was talking about with Corey Seager that it's a home run park. I heard yeah. that, and, and I was no, I was I, I, and I, I started to question myself, and <laughs> I meant to go and like double check it. No, but I was we, like, we we Austin and I we took a look at this. A long yeah, time ago, it's a pitcher's park now. Yeah, the home runs aren't there like they used to be. I mean, the the heavy or the high and pushback and right center, um, like down the lines, it's pretty good, but it's like in the gaps, it's pretty deep. Center field's deep. It's a massive uh, ballpark. I mean, yeah. But yeah, okay. So Herman Marquez, he's set to make fifteen million next year, and he has a twenty twenty four club option um, for sixteen million. But uh, okay, so I, I don't think he has any chance of that. Uh, it converts to a mutual option if he has two top three Cy Young finishes, which I don't think sure. he has even one. So yeah, club option for twenty twenty four. I think they could get something for him. Yeah, not a lot, not not the. Whole but I mean, this is Col- this is Colorado we're talking about. Do yeah. they want to pay him fifteen million dollars next year? That's why they that's why they extended Kyle Freeland and Austin Gomber. Uh, they already got their guys. Yeah. They don't want they don't want Herman Marquez. Well, I and guess- if Herman Marquez gets traded, I could see him like being awesome down the stretch. Yeah, maybe it's just something as simple as that. Uh, I mean, he's still throwing 96 miles an hour on average on his fastball, especially since June 15th. Remember, I got the June 15th stats. But it hasn't resulted in anything good, anything appealing, at least for me. 8.6% strikeout, uh, swinging strikeout rate. Um, Let me me rephrase that. 8.6% swinging strike percentage, which is, that's even lower than Marcus Stroman, who we just established as a pitch to contact pitcher. Uh, What else has he not done properly? He's throwing more sinkers this year. Um, he's throwing less sliders and less curveballs. Um, well, slightly more curveballs than last year, but combined breaking stuff versus um, right here. Let me get the percentages up. But yeah, he's throwing less four seamers, more sinkers, which is, I mean, it, it can work for some people, but it's not something I would do in Colorado. Um, I just try and miss bats. Um, 
I mean, he's still got a great slider. I mean, mm-hmm. great slider. Um, it's just that fastball is getting killed. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I haven't heard any rumors about him. That's the weird thing. Well, was this time last year, everybody was talking about Herman Marquez. Um, so it, it kind of might, he might sneak under the radar in a trade to somebody this year. Well, this is, this is insane. L- look at this, man. Homo of Homer's oh, is a way oh to God. see it. It's, it's, it's so bad. No, 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 no. Hold it. Look at this. Uh, Strikeout per walk ratio, right? 3.27 at home, 1.64 on the road. So you, the whole it the whole thing about well if Marquez was pitching away from course he'd be a lot better not necessarily now FIP at home five point three one and a WHIP of one point five eight nothing is good and on the road it's a little bit better the WHIP is one point two eight and the FIP is also a little bit better at four point three seven but it's like it doesn't matter home away he's just I mean it's awful. it's also one of those things that I mean he has on the road at least four point two ERA. That's playable, but you, I think his control stuff away from cores, I think that has something to do with, you know, for someone who has such a great slider, um, who has to overcome, you know, his breaking balls, not breaking, you know, as much at, uh, cores. So maybe when he goes on the road, he throws it the same way, but it breaks more. He loses command of it, especially for his ability to throw it as a strike, uh, rather than just for chase. Um, like I said, I still think, I mean, he's still young. He still throws hard. Um, great secondary pitch. Uh, I, I think there's a team out there that could trade for him. Whether Colorado will want to trade him on a low note, probably not, but they've done dumber things before. So, <laughs> All right. Well, all right. Well, it looks like you have uh, confidence in him. If he gets traded, I don't. I think he's – well, we'll see. Like I said, maybe it's a mentality thing. It's the intangibles that don't show up on these uh, leaderboards. Uh, I want to make sure we talk about this other guy before uh, before we go off the air. Okay, and it has to be John Duran. Uh, it looks like he's finally getting some. Uh, uh, it, 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 Emilio Pagan, the, last I checked, is no longer the closer for the Twins. And yeah, I think it's like a committee thing. It, it's still a committee thing. Uh, him and uh, it's John Duran, and uh, I'll tell you who the other guy is in a in a second here. Uh, it's. Tyler Duffy. Oh, we talked. Didn't we talk about him? No, no, that yeah. was Ty- Tyler Clipper. We talked about. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's Tyler Duffy, right? And uh, yeah, because Pagan has just been god awful. Uh, yeah. But and, and Durant has looked lights out. But then you are reminded that he's just a rookie this year, twenty four years old, and since June fifteenth, he is now at a twenty one point seven strikeout rate, uh, a three point two five strikeout to walk, which is decent, but you know it's not elite level status for relief pitchers, especially the ones you're counting on to be closers. Uh, FIP is three point two five again. It's not bad, but it's not elite level what we've seen from closers. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- this is where you, you've lost me. I, I don't think he's been considered a, a failure at all, unless it's just one of those he's not getting saves. And no, 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 not a failure in that regard. But is can we trust him for the rest of the season now at yeah, this point? I, I believe so. Because the strikeouts are dropping since June fifteenth. I'm wondering if he's uh, reached a, a rookie wall of sorts. Because the 21.7 is way lower than his in-season statistics. Yeah, but I also think that even early on in the year, the strikeouts were probably slightly high on the outlier part because you have to think when he was a starter, he wasn't some crazy strikeout guy. I mean, it was like 9, 10 area. Um, But at the major league level, he's getting a lot of chases. He's getting a lot of whiffs. 
it's kind of everything's backing it up, uh, especially like the addition of that split finger. When he started throwing that split finger, I really I was like, okay, he's found the third pitch. Granted, it's kind of funny. It's like, okay, he's got something to change speeds, but really it's like his curveball is the change of pace one because it comes in at 87 miles an hour. Um, and his split finger comes in at ni- averaging 96.2 miles an hour. That's insane. Um, it, it, it makes no sense. Uh, he's thrown a little bit of a cutter. I didn't even know that. He hasn't allowed a hit on it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really like him. I just don't think that they're going to use him in that you know traditional closer role. So, like I said, I, I, I trust him. I've never stopped trusting him. I do think he's kind of in the mold of he throws really hard. And like senior guard was only had one great strikeout year. He he was a good strikeout pitcher, but he wasn't an elite, even though he threw hard. I think Duran's kind of in that ballpark. Here's the concerns that I have here, right? In season, 31% strikeout rate. Since June 15, like I said, 21.7%. That's a 10% difference. And that's why I'm asking. He's just a rookie. This is probably the most games he's ever pitched. Because he was he came up as a starter. I don't know if the Twins uh, used him as a reliever in AAA He's pitched in 34 games this year, 43 innings. Um, Before this year, his highest pitch count was in 2019, where he combined for uh, 78 plus 37. That's 100 in... 15 innings. Mm-hmm. So that was all as a starter though. So, yeah. So he gets that break uh, in rest and all that. Uh, if you're a reliever, you don't always get that no. rest sometimes. No. And, and he's Granted, there, I but- think, I think they've been a little strategic with him. Like I, I don't oh, think yeah. he's had many days where he's pitched back to back. Yeah. I'm looking and he hasn't thrown a game back to back days. I think all year. Um, yeah. Oh, well, well no, nope. five thirteen, five fourteen. Uh, so yeah, they're definitely playing it where he gets a day off. And I think that's another reason that they haven't made him the full-time closer role. Cause you can't have a guy that's your quote unquote closer, uh, <laughs> not be available every other day. Right. Uh, let's see. The other numbers are, uh, he's at a 42.9 hard hit rate against since June 15 in season, he's at 37 and a half. So that's, that's increased. Uh, bear with me here as I'm trying to see the other differences. Uh, exit velocity is a one, uh, against him is one mile per hour uh, higher than it uh, compared to his in season. So it's a uh, meaning that it's actually increased his exit velocity against his increase since June 15th yeah. compared to the in season. Walks are going up a little bit. It's not a lot, but still uh, enough where I'm like, wait a minute, what do we have here? And the most concerning thing is that the strikeout per walk rate went uh, in season he's at the, the, the six and a half and like i just mentioned 2.35 uh, i'm sorry uh, 3.25 strikeout per walk rate uh since june 15th so i'm just trying to you know because he's closer to being the closer the primary closer than ever before and my concern is by the time he gets to be the closer is is he going to be too fatigued to go on like i said this is his first uh, full season in the majors. So I don't know. I don't know what to expect. Yeah, uh, I mean, so so far this year, I'm looking at his monthly splits. Um, the, you're right. I mean, the strikeout percentage has precipitously, you know, dropped just month to month to month. Um, but when you break it down by his actual pitches, um, the splitter is getting chased at or uh, getting whiffed at a little bit less. So I think that might be an adjustment on hitters knowing that he, you know, 
that pitch for him is really more of a, a chase pitch than a in the zone pitch. Um, and then the fastball is getting hit a little bit harder the more they face him. Uh, the first two months they batted 167, 174 against his fastball. The last two months they batted 263 and 400. Um, it doesn't have very good vertical life. It's actually you know pretty below average fastball in that regard. Um, so maybe it's one of those major league hitters. Even if you throw hard, they can oh, square yeah. up. A, they're going to square up a fastball if it doesn't have you know great life or great movement. Um, so that, that, that could be his thing. I think it's a more hittable fat fastball than, uh, the velocity would make you believe. Uh, but I think the curveball and the splitter, as long as he maybe pivot, he has to make his own adjustment, which he kind of has because he's through the fastball 58% of the 59% of the time in May, and it dropped to 45% in June and it's around 50% now in July. Mm. So if he starts maybe throwing the other stuff more, you can increase the effectiveness of the fastball. Yeah. Because yeah, right. I'm, I'm not terribly worried about him. Like, I, I can see where you're coming from, but I'm yeah. not terribly worried. Other things to be concerned about, contact rates are up since June 15th. Like, this guy was nearly unhittable. And it's he's still kind of unhittable, but not those elite-level statuses that we're used to. I mean, it's a 10% increase of... Uh, in the outside the strikes on contact rate, and it's another 10% increase in overall contact rate. So the, like you mentioned, major league hitters have adjusted. So maybe that's all it is, and he needs to readjust. Uh, the other concern, last thing I'm going to mention, actually a couple of things. The swinging strike rate, 12% since June 15th. In season, 17%. So that's in, decreased. And lastly, the help me with this one, chase plus swinging. Oh, uh, uh, call strike plus uh, whiff percentage. Thank you. Uh, 30. 30.6% in season since June 15th, 26.6%. And I always that's, that's a little a, bit of a drop. Yeah. It's well, it's a game of inches, Sean. When you're yeah. 30%, that's elite level. When you're at 26.6%, you're just ordinary. Yeah. And so we'll see how he readjusts. I, I like the little month to month breakdown you give there. But uh, I, yeah, I, I, he's going to have to prove that he can actually um, tinker with, all, with his uh, pitch selection. Yeah, and so far in July, um, which has been, you know, like his quote-unquote worst month, uh, they're batting 323 against him. He has been a little on the unlucky side, even though the expected metrics have gone up compared to where they were the first three months of the year. Um, they're at 268, 343 now. Uh, he is a 370 WOBA against in July, uh, but his expected WOBA against is 280. Mm. So a little bit of unluckiness, but – Definitely some regression back to the mean. Baseball is a game of adjustments. Right. See, we'll see what he does. All right. Uh, so that's 12 players. And I guess I just got to ask Cody Bellinger, yay or up or down? Uh, no. Okay. Well, that um, uh, I mean, like, I, I feel like if, if you're going to hate on Joey Gallo, you need to hate on Cody Bellinger. And so many, it's, it's the opposite. Like, people won't shut up about Joey Gallo. But Cody, you ask somebody about Cody Bellinger and they go, oh, He's on pace for a 2020 season. Like, what? What are we doing here? <laughs> five home runs, five stolen bases, man. Just just because you get get those milestones doesn't mean you're you're really good at it. I mean, we've seen players, mediocre players, get to those milestones on their lucky years, right? I mean, I mean, but- I guess in a traditional roto, uh, Bellinger's batting 210 and Gallo's at 165, so that's a pretty steep. But in terms of overall, Gallo has the higher on base. A higher WRC plus. And by the way, this is the same amount of home runs. It's not saying much, by the way, guys. It's, no, it's, it's not. Really it's not. Minuscule numbers here. Yeah. 
but we're just trying to figure out are is there anything is there a light at the end of the tunnel i mean with we've talked about gallo being very extremely patient but bellinger's the opposite he's now gone uh very aggressive at the plate a little bit more contact but same i mean exit velocity 90 miles an hour but not much else. I mean, the other stack has numbers are pretty. I just, I feel, I feel like his swing is all over the place. Like it's, yeah. it, and it's been all over the place. Like it's not a consistent swing mm-hmm. and it, he just doesn't get the best of the ball. Like he used to be able to. And I think breaking the balls are really starting to mess with them. I mean, they, they always have, but I mean, really, really starting to mess with them. All right. Well, that's the list we gave you. We, we had a list of 21. I, we try to get to as many names as we can, but we gave you a dirty dozen. We gave you a baker's dozen uh, uh, list of players that uh, were at one point guys that you needed to draft on your fantasy teams. That guys that were you know, some of these. I mean, we got former MVPs here, Sean. Yeah. Cody Bellinger. We, we have, have four. We have a couple of former Cy Youngs that we didn't even mention. Yeah, we got maybe for another show. Uh, we got uh, a former champion, three-time champion in the Madison Bumgarner. We it's just it's 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 a hell of a mixed bag. These are players that were supposed to be trusted. Yeah, you know, and uh, just because baseball, baseball has a way to humble people. So, yeah, there's there's your list. So and, I, I I just want to mention their names, and I'll ask it to you as a question. And you just pick one. Oh yeah, go a- ahead. to end the year, who do you trust more, Lucas Giolito? Ian Anderson or Jose Barrios. We could have okay. talked like 30 minutes just about those two guys. Yeah, it's Giolito for me. It's, it's Giolito. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm obviously I'm a homer, but, you know. Uh, okay. I mean, he actually has, you know, the, the better expected ERA, expected FIP. So and, I and could buy it. He's pitched a little bit better in the, uh, in the last couple of games. And uh, he's dominated against teams that he's supposed to dominate. So that that's that's. It's a step in the right direction. I am concerned about the velocity of his fastball dropping a little bit, but it's not as high as it used to be. So, I mean, he it, it's getting to the point where him and Marcus Stroman have similar fastballs uh, velocities. Yeah, that's that's frightening. <laughs> and who's the other guy? Jose Barrios. And uh, Jose Barrios. And I've, t- I've been telling people for years, if it walks like a duck, then it talks like a duck. <laughs> no, there was three guys. Giolito, oh, Barrios, Ian, or... Ian, Ian, Ian Anderson. Oh, I forgot to put in the Anderson. On Rookie. The list. Oops. No, it's uh, okay. Hey, no, listen, man. I've been not trustworthy of Ian Anderson as an elite pitcher, but then he proves me wrong and dominates the playoffs. But uh, <laughs> I, 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 it feels like he finally has gotten exposed. You know who he kind of reminds me of who? Uh, a, a very young John Lackey, just from that, that story point, the storyline standpoint where don't let the playoffs fool you. He's not that good. And then he goes <laughs> on and gets, has a 30, 13, 15 year career out of it or something <laughs> like that. So, so anyway, uh, like I said, uh, we might mention the other names at a later time. Maybe we will get that 30 minute conversation. Yeah. One day. But uh, that's a 13 list of players. Uh, oh, ugh, I'm kind of a little exhausted here, but uh, <laughs> anyway, that's a good place to stop. I am Felipe. Uh, Sean, go ahead and plug your show for later tonight. Yeah. So a uh, new show going to be on bi-weekly, both on baseball life. And I believe our friend James Handaboat's Twitch. Uh, it's going to, it's called orange pinstripes. It's going to be everything. New York, two Yankees, two Mets, um, me and Vince are going to be on the same show. So God bless everybody else. You're never going to get to get to talk, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think we're going at eight Eastern tonight. So, okay. uh, be sure to be there. It's going to be fun. I'm going to try and take off my, my nerdy saver metric hat for a little bit and try and put on my Henry shit talk hat for a little <laughs> bit. So, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, we have four big person. Well, James is kind of soft spoken. So I feel bad, <laughs> but he's, he, I'm, I'm assuming he's the one hosting. He's the one. Yeah, who's gonna, I, I think that's the idea. He's going to be directing traffic. Yeah, hopefully we'll see. 
I don't know. Vince Vince usually does that, but if you're you're gonna hey, I might I might have to be like yeah. I'll say I I think I might be the one to have to be like hey Vince no 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 come back. (laughs) Wow. Well, anyway, stay tuned for that over at the Baseball Life Facebook group, the greatest baseball group on Facebook ever. And again, that's Sean over there. He has a show to get ready for. I am Felipe. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. We'll see you guys next weekend. Adios, guys.